Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper on AFR Talk. There are so many words in the Great Commission that you could spend months just looking at it and trying to get to the depth. But that last one, I am with you. Our co-host today is Nathan Harper. Nathan, how important is that to hear that God is with us? Uh, supremely important. Um, we dare not go where God is not with us. Um, you know, if, if God moves, then we can move. If if God uh, stays, then, you know, Lord, let me stay. We, we, um, it's a bad place to find yourself in a, in a place where you feel um, – you don't have evidence around you that God is with you. Now, we know in faith that he still is. Um, but it's a difficult place when when you feel like you're alone. Um, and when we're on mission and making disciples of the nations, we're guaranteed that he's going to be with us. His presence and his power are with us. Today, our interview will be with someone that is doing st- strategic work with individuals that the gospel could be carried to difficult places uh, we're promised to be a part of that, and, and in those difficult places, are they're hard sometimes to be there, but I've heard people who were in those difficult places, they'd come to the United States where it was safe, and they could not wait to get back to that difficult place because that's where their heart was. Yeah, you know, speaking of different places, difficult places, and um, the work of, of missions, you know, kind of takes on two areas. Uh, there's kind of two places where you might do do your ministry and do your work. Uh, one is where the church does not already exist. There are people groups, there are places where there are no churches. There are, there's possibly not even scripture translated into the lang- local languages. Uh, there aren't any believers that are known or very few of them. Um, maybe not even missionaries exist, you know, currently working there. So uh, those unreached places. Um, but the goal in, if you're going to that place or going to pray for that place, the work there is to start churches, is to make disciples, you know, share the gospel, make disciples and plant new churches. So you're wanting to start churches where it does not exist, but then where the church already is in existence in places where, uh, there's some sort of gospel work and, uh, Bible teaching and discipleship going on, there's, there's local churches uh, in existence and, and they're growing. The goal there is to strengthen the existing church. And so both are mission work. Uh, they're both necessary. It's important, though, that you differentiate between where, where you're going. If you're going to a place, uh, for example, the, the times that you and I have visited Nicaragua, well, Nicaragua is a place where the church already exists. In fact, the percentage of evangelicals in Nicaragua is higher than the percentage of evangelicals in the U.S., okay? So there's a strong growing uh, church uh, in, in Nicaragua where the church there can spread the gospel on their own. They don't necessarily need our help to do that. But what they do need is to see the church 
they are strengthened. Every church needs strengthening, even here in the U.S. So um, the goal in going on mission trips, say somewhere like Nicaragua, is to strengthen the existing church, specifically the leaders and the pastors of those churches. And when you said that, that's exactly what the Apostle Paul would do on his first missionary journey that was they were sent out, he and Barnabas, from Antioch. They went to new places. Yeah. Uh, on the second missionary journey, you remember what he said? He said, let's go revisit the churches. And they revisited the churches, and then he would write letters to many of those churches. I think he may have written letters to all of them, but not all of them was kept for the Scriptures right. because it's, God did not have that purpose of that's inspiration. Right. That's right. And some of the churches were meant to be circulated. Uh, some of the letters were yeah. circulated. Yeah. And so— Paul demonstrated that again, and the reason we say this is we want to find our basis of missions from the Word of God, and it makes it plain that that's what the Word of God, and our guest today, he he's here in the States, but he spends his time helping other ministers to be strong, to go to even these places where the gospel is, is being pioneered. It's right. new. Uh even those that to people groups that have not even been reached yet. So this is exciting, and we appreciate you listening here to Exploring Missions, and we want you to listen to this interview. I think it will bless you, it will encourage you, and I think it will challenge us to be in prayer for people that we don't know on the face of this earth that has taken the gospel to people that desperately need it. People do need the Lord, don't they, Nathan? They need the Lord. We need the Lord. Uh, but some people don't even have access to know who he is and what he's done for them. God's doing a great work. I pray he will continue that work in you. Today, we're interviewing Dr. Carlton Harvey. He is pastor of the First Church of the Nazarene, Cleveland, Mississippi. Welcome. Thank you. What a delight to be here. Well, it is good to have you, and I want to tell folks how I got to meet you. All right. It was through one of our vice presidents, Buddy Smith, and uh, Buddy's a dear friend, great man of God, and uh he was impressed enough. He said, Bert, I know somebody that you need to have on this program, so we're glad you're here today. Thank you. Uh, Buddy is a great friend and have enjoyed uh, ministry with him on a couple of occasions, and uh, it's what a, a real privilege to be able to be here at uh, the AFA studios and the headquarters because it's a, an amazing ministry and great to be able to meet you and to be a part of this program. Well, this program, we do our best to to let people know they can be a part of missions. Uh, many times, prayer, financial, but sometimes going. But sometimes we need to have the information so we can pray more effectively. And uh, I remember in the book of, of Acts, when Paul was going out the first missionary journey, uh, he and Barnabas, they laid hands on them and they communicated with them. They On the second missionary journey, they go to Philippi, and later he would write the church at Philippi and say, nobody has continued to support us like you guys. So support is valuable in missions, isn't it? Absolutely. In fact, uh, my position as the academic dean of the 
Southeast Asian Nazarene Bible College, which I do on a part-time basis, is, uh, is a volunteer position. And uh, if I didn't have, first of all, a number of people who pray for me on a very regular basis when I'm overseas, uh, obviously there would be all kinds of problems that would come up. But because of the prayer support that these good people give me, God sends his spirit to help open doors and provide the way for me when I could not do it otherwise. And then, of course, there is the financial support that's always important to us. Missions all over the world depends on what's happening through the giving primarily through people in North America, we have found that about uh, 85% of all world mission giving is generated in North America. And uh, so we, we desperately need the help and the support of people financially as well as on the spiritual level of praying for us. I want to bring a little bit of content to that. I believe one of the reasons America is standing today is because of our mission effort. We have moral issues, we have governmental issues, we have all kinds of life issues, violence wrapping around our land, but we're giving 85% of the mission to carry the message of the gospel around the world is generated here in the United States. Absolutely, and it's something that is a, a, uh, a part of the fabric of the United States. The, the United States has always been a giving country. Our government gives to other governments around the world. Sometimes we think it's a good thing. Sometimes we're not so sure. But uh, nonetheless, there is that spirit of, of generosity that has always characterized Americans. And because of that ger- generosity, the mission work of the Church of the Universal Church of Christ goes around the world, making a difference all over the world. Well, in your church, your local church, is able to financially support you sufficient enough for you to make these trips? Well, um, and other churches, yeah. uh, Other churches and other individuals are the ones who give me the support. Um, Our local church, the Church of the Nazarene there in Cleveland, Mississippi, is committed to mission giving. And our goal is that 10% of all the money that we raise every year is given to missions that spread the word around, around the world. That part of that is given to help support me and the travel that it, and the expenses I have to go overseas. However, the cost for me, I go twice a year, and the cost for me is about $2,000 every trip. And so there are other people, family members, friends, some other churches where I've had the privilege of speaking and presenting the vision. They are the ones who help support me and make it possible for me to go. And the position again, dean, academic dean of the Southeast Asia Nazarene Bible College. Is this in one locale? Uh, Actually, it's uh, headquartered in Bangkok, Thailand. It serves several countries throughout Southeast Asia. I wish that I could be very specific about that. However, because of communist countries where uh, churches are not accepted and welcomed, there are people who live in constant danger because of their faith. When we talk about the persecuted church, uh, you don't get an idea of what that's really like until you've had a chance to be in one of those countries. God has led me to be there and to have the experience of seeing people who have been literally beaten within an inch of their life because of their faith. And so I can't talk about all of the countries, but our headquarters is in Bangkok. We serve several countries. We have 20 extension centers scattered throughout Southeast Asia with uh, local teachers as well as missionary teachers who are training people to prepare them for ministry 
not only is as ordained elders and, and deacons in the church, but also to train lay people to be better servants of Christ within their local church. When we saw, talk about the training, Dr. Harvey, are we talking about Bible knowledge, uh, church planting, mission effort? Just give us a little bit of synopsis of what it would be like to learn from, from the Southeast Asia uh, College Nazarene Bible College. What would, it, what would it entail? The Church of the Nazarene has always um, emphasized the need for a well-trained ministry. And so we have a four-year course of study that is required for all pastors that are going to be ordained. And uh, it includes Bible knowledge, theology, church history. It also includes practical things such as pastoral counseling, church planting, uh, preaching classes, uh, on and on and on. And the classes that we offer through Southeast Asia Nazarene Bible College are all built on the course of study. It's a four-year program. For those who are involved in it, intending to be ordained, there is a certain level of performance that they are required to achieve. For those who are looking for a certificate to be better lay people in the church, there is a different level of performance that is required. We also have the challenge that there are a number of our students who are functionally illiterate, and we have to adjust and adapt everything that we are doing in order to teach and to examine these people in an oral system as opposed to the traditional written system that is used in the United States. So they're able to stay there without leaving their country and come into a centralized locale because of the, the 20 different, I'm just going to call it satellite uh, places you have ministry. Yeah, satellite is a good word for it. Uh, we call them extension centers, but satellite works very well. And yes, we're trying to contextualize what we do so that it makes sense in their locale. Um, one of the things that uh, the Lord trained me in uh, in my doctoral studies is uh, some of the religions of the world. So when I go over there frequently, I am the classroom teacher for uh, a course that we call uh, Religions of Southeast Asia. And we, we try to help them to understand the culture in which they live, where, for example, in one of the countries, it's 85% Buddhist. And uh, in another country, um, ancestor worship is, is dominant in, throughout. There may be uh, other kinds of churches and other religions, but they all go back to their roots. It's kind of like what I heard about Haiti one time. Haiti is 95% Catholic and 100% voodoo. And so uh, in Southeast Asia, it's a very similar kind of thing. And uh, we try to help them to understand what those roots are and then make sure that we show them that the message of Jesus Christ, the hope that we have in Christ, is far superior to any of the things that they have been offered in those native religions. Comparative religion, if you were ever to take that and you line them up side by side to see how consistent and, and the quality you see it, but also you see it in the results of the world being changed as well. Absolutely. What has Christianity given to the world? This, wor this world would be in a mess without the Christian religion. Absolutely. And, and it is making a difference in communities in some of those very countries that I, unfortunately, I can't mention out loud. But uh, because of Christ and changed lives and Christ's admonition to go and take care of widows and orphans, for example, for example uh, or the Scripture's admonition to do that, 
Um, it's amazing how our our church people who work in house churches, it's all undercover, but they are providing tutoring programs. They are providing housing programs for students. All of these things <clears throat> in which they are able to point people to Christ while they're at the same time meeting real needs. And in some of those countries where um, the communists do not want the church to be present, uh, the local block watcher, the, the, the person employed by the Communist Party to watch what's going on, uh, says, I can't close down that church. They're doing too much good. My own children are in their program. What a miracle that that is because of the love and the grace of Christ that has transformed lives in those countries. You're at headquarters here this morning at AFA, and we have a devotion each morning. This morning we helped and we heard how academic and helpfulness run together. Uh, it is a two-track uh, ministry, isn't it? It's not just one track. If you learn all the academics and yet you're not taking care of the orphans and the widows and others, uh, we I don't think we would exist. It's just not a philosophy. It is a, it is a life that we live, not just here in the U.S., but it's in Southeast Asia as well. Absolutely. It goes all over the world. I remember when I was in my, in my doctoral studies, and it was a program in comparative religion, and uh, was being taught a class by uh, a professor. It was Hebrew Bible, which is basically Old Testament for those of us in the Christian tradition. And I remember speaking to her after class one day and saying, you know, your lectures are very interesting. You're you're very well informed. I'm learning a lot. I'm just wondering what difference is all of this making in your life? And that professor very sadly said to me, well, I am not a person of faith. I merely study this as an academic exercise. What a tragedy. What an absolute tragedy. And I am convinced that indeed we've got to have the educational component, but it has to have the practical application. What in the devotion this morning uh, by Dr. Rooney, that that educational component has to be matched with helpfulness so that we are applying the things that we've learned in Scripture. Jesus actually brought reality of practical living to the people when he walked the face of the earth, and that's what we are called to do. Amen. Uh, we're to be like Jesus. That's the whole idea. Let's go to some specifics, and you choose the area that you'd want to tell us about. Tell us about one of the countries there in Southeast Asia that you that is safe to share. What's going on? Well, Myanmar is a fabulous story, uh, an amazing open door. They were under a military regime for many years. There was it was absolutely closed, not just to the Christian religion. It was closed to the outside world completely. Since that that uh, regime has been set aside. The doors have been opened. The gospel is exploding across that country to where we have multiple teaching centers now happening. Uh, I was just there in, uh, in April, at the end of April, met with a young man. What a tremendous story. He and uh, a friend had gotten involved. Most of the world's jade is mined out of northern Myanmar. I didn't know that until I went there, but I learned that. This young man got into a, a, a jade mine, he and his partner. They made a fabulous fortune. He was able to pay off all of his debts and his family's debts and, and just a tremendous amount of generosity. And then he encountered Christ. And he has set all of that aside 
so that he could become a trained minister of the gospel and has gone a step further to where not only is he now an educated, well-trained pastor, has his Master of Divinity degree, but he is our center coordinator and is leading the educational program for Northern Myanmar. It's a fabulous story of what God has been doing. There's another fellow that I met when I was over there. He originally was born and raised uh, in Myanmar, came to the United States with his family, was educated here, um, lived in a number of years, worked in different churches for a number of years as a, a man called to the ministry, and then felt called of God to go back to Myanmar in order to serve the people of his birth. And uh, God is using this man in a tremendous way. He is now the northern country coordinator for Myanmar and, uh, and helping people to find Christ and then training those people to train others to train others so that the, the, the ministry training is multiplied and more and more people are hearing the gospel. And we're having churches planted so fast that uh, the, the last we knew, we had X number, and by the time we have said that, there's probably one or two more that have been planted. Amen. It's, a, it's a tremendous thing that God is doing over there in Myanmar. Now, if you have an old globe and you're looking for Myanmar, you might look for Burma? That's correct. Okay. That's and correct. Change their name. Do you, is there another one other country that you could tell us about and the work that's going on there? Uh, I will be visiting Cambodia for my first time. I'll be going there in November. Uh, again, God is doing a tremendous thing. The doors are wide open. Churches are being planted very rapidly. And in Cambodia, with all of its history, the killing fields and everything else that we know about from back in the Vietnam era and, and Cambodia, um, it's an amazing story to think about the fact that when I go there, I will teach in two extension centers and I will have uh, 130 students who are training and preparing for the ministry. How many? Uh, Repeat uh, that. Yeah, 130, 130 people Amen. who are training and preparing for ministry in Cambodia, of all places. It's an amazing story. Amen. Without giving names or anything, what's it like for a Christian, a pastor in a country where it's difficult to serve? What's it, what's it like? Well, they, they live as uh, somewhat of a, a foreigner and an outcast, which is a very biblical term, a very biblical concept. We, this is not our home. We, we have a home that we are looking forward to. We're passing to through. They all say a little song. We're just passing through. Absolutely. And uh, for them, one of the greatest challenges that they face is that if, if they are coming out of a Buddhist home or out of an ancestor worship home, uh, Islam is very small in that part of the world, so we don't see a lot of that particularly. But if they're coming out of these other religious traditions, many times they will be ostracized by their family, disowned, so that they are, they are left alone. And were it not for the presence and help of the Holy Spirit in their lives, who knows how they would manage. I'll tell you a quick story about one man, I can't give his name and I can't give his location, but uh, he, was, uh, he was introduced to one verse of Scripture, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. He came to faith in Christ because of that one verse. His family had been Buddhist and 
ancestor worship people. That was the only scripture that he ever heard or saw for six years. And he held his faith through the help of the Holy Spirit for six years only on John 3.16. Can you imagine how his life lighted up when through the Church of the Nazarene, Southeast Asia Nazarene Bible College, he was introduced to a whole Bible? Can you imagine? In his language, it's a phenomenal story of a man that God helped, even though he was coming out of a, a home that, that did not support, did not encourage. In fact, they have cut him off completely. It's an amazing story. I've seen the film of the Bibles, usually it's the New Testament, come into a tribe who had never had the Bible in their language. Uh, the missionary that had come there had used another language to communicate them the truth. Finally, they get the New Testament or Bible in their language. And you talking about the celebrations, Dr. Yeah. Harvey, I mean, it is great. And that is the power of the Word of God. Well, the power is uh, of the Word is God's message coming through to us, and it becomes a very personal message as the Holy Spirit illuminates our heart, reveals truth to us, and we realize that there is a God who really does love and care for us and has a wonderful plan that will help us through our life. One last thing, how can those who are listening today pray for you, pray for the Southeast Asian Nazarene Bible College? How can we what, what prayer needs do we need to take to the Lord? Well, obviously, we want to pray for all of these pastors who are in training. Pray for their professors, that there will be adequate communication, that there will be a, a, an openness to learn and to develop in their, in their ministry skills. Um, for me personally, if I may throw this in, uh, traveling back and forth across the ocean— uh, there are jet lag issues. There are health issues that go along with that. There are financial issues needing to be able to raise the necessary support. But then just take that a step further to understand, I'm an American. I have lived in the United States most of my life. I spent 15 years in Montreal, Canada. Uh, so I have a little bit of understanding of being outside, but it's still North America. The language is the same. I need people to pray that God will give me the heart of Asians, an understanding of their life, what they're going through, and the ability to relate to them through the love of Christ, that he can help them in their ministry. Dr. Harvey, I am, I am overwhelmed with your desire, and I praise God for what he's doing in Southeast Asia, the place that years ago, as a teenager, all I knew was conflict and killing and now we're hearing it's still difficult still hard but god has invaded and i'm using that word invaded that territory with the gospel of jesus christ the gospel really does change lives doesn't it? it does and southeast asia is, is becoming one of the most important areas of the world it, the business development there has been phenomenal we need the christian presence to keep those folks balanced and moving in the right direction. And through Southeast Asian Nazarene Bible College and, frankly, through other Christian organizations, God is doing a great work there. I want to thank you for being with us today here on Exploring Missions. It's been a joy to have you, brother. Thank you. It's been a, it's been a real pleasure to be with you. And thank you for listening to Exploring Missions here on the American Family Radio Network.